And we're back. It's the Better Everyday Podcast. Got Ryan here this morning. Hey, how's it going, Brad? Bringing back uh, Coach Ben Plotnicki. What's up, guys? Started thinking about it after our last podcast. All we did was talk about programming, and we didn't even take a chance to get to know him that well. So why not uh, go in-depth, and let's get to know this guy a little bit better, our newest coach at Thunder Valley. Like an onion, man. Let's start peeling back the layers. Let's do it. Let's... uh, (laughs) Let's go ahead and start with that outer shell. <laughs> How'd you find CrossFit, Ben? Well, the outer shell. So I was, oh, okay, how'd I find CrossFit? I was about yeah. to start going into, you know, when I was born, what I did no, in no, those no, phases no. of life. Where are you originally from? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, Fort Worth, Texas. My family still lives in the house that I was born in. Wow. That's kind of unheard of these days. My, mine too, but yeah. Really? Yeah, that's cool. We are definitely the outliers. We are the anomalies here. Yeah. Without a doubt. Fort Worth, Texas. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you grew up there. Uh huh. Nice. I did. Yeah. And Originally started going to school at University of North Texas, and then transferred to University of Tennessee. I'm also a Tennessee legacy. Okay. My my father played basketball University of Tennessee in the early '60s, and then my grandfather was uh, in the uh, exercise science department for nice. the University of Tennessee for a long time. So he was a professor who, there. Who was the famous? Basketball player your dad played with. Uh, so Red Robbins was the uh, he Red Robbins was his teammate and one of his roommates, and they Red played in the ABA and the NBA for an, a very extended period. And then he was actually the I think he was the color guy for the New Orleans Jazz. Cool. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. So I found CrossFit in 2007. I was working at the YMCA in in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was just browsing the internet looking for a workout to do. And I came, somehow came across .com. And any uh, idea what that search might have been? That, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I really couldn't tell you. I just wonder back in 07, yeah. like what spits out CrossFit. And the algorithms were so different in 2007, what they are now. I mean, who, who absolutely knows? And of course, we weren't, the access to workouts weren't as dense back then. So CrossFit has probably had this prominence of making workouts more accessible from bodybuilding.com to T nation to all of these different blogs that now have workouts. And I mean, who knows? We, we can't have this revisionist history and go back and take a look at that. But yeah, there's no telling what that search was, but I don't feel like workouts were readily available. You went down a rabbit hole and you were like, Oh, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just looking at various different things and, one day it was probably just front squat one 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 right. like they do and i was like what the heck is this and then probably found a, a an eva or some of the benchmark uh, girls benchmark girls and was like oh this is cool but then why are they doing this front squat one 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 so i found that in 2007 and maybe dabbled a little bit not really knowing what i was doing a little bit uh i've former athlete and high school and and some levels in college so I at least had a background of movement so my mechanics weren't super far from being great they weren't just gross mechanics so there wasn't a lot of major need for refinement back then right you had a solid base and you just it was small cues and yes that eventually would help you make your movement patterns flawless But my first truest exposure was uh, 2008, 2009. There was a local CrossFit gym, CrossFit East. So I was in Florida 
at the time. And CrossFit East was the absolute first CrossFit affiliate on the East Coast. Shout out to TJ Cooper, Sergeant TJ Cooper. And TJ put on a workout, and it was a team workout, and it was Trevor Winnie workout. And <clears throat> Trevor Winnie was, I think it was a team workout of four. And it was like 300, 400, 500, 600. It was, you know, the standard pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, air squats. And you do it as a team, two people working at a time. And that was my first exposure. And that was 2008, 2009. And that's when I became really, really hooked mm -hmm. at that point. So then all of a sudden now you go back to the main site and it meant a little bit more because did this mutual suffering in that big group setting with, right. with everybody at CrossFit East. Intensity spiking up a little bit now that you're doing it yes. with people. Yeah, and I'm still at Global Gym. In 2009, I got my level one, and I did it in West Palm Beach. And I met a one of the coaches and one of the staff at that time. Uh, he was there, and he was from Jacksonville, from a local box, and just had a wonderful conversation with him. And he said, come see me at CrossFit Southside. Come see me and, you know, let's look at getting you integrated more. So I started doing an intern with him. And he has since gone on to be an extremely uh, high level up with the uh, CrossFit Games. Right. So he's like vice president of the CrossFit Games. So wow. I learned and interned under him. Uh, so I was just super fortunate and super blessed with Sergeant Cooper and this coach and owner of the gym at that time. So I was just blessed and lucky of the network that was there in Jacksonville that I had at that point. And so then I left my – so after working with him for about four or five months, five, six months, interning with him, 2009 I left, left Globo Gym, had no prospects or anything, and went and opened a gym. Opened a CrossFit gym in 2009. And, and what was the name of your affiliate? So the original name was CrossFit Nocatee. And there was a township called Nocatee. And that township was actually a residential development. So there was actually no town of Nocatee. Right. But it was this blowing up area in, in between Jacksonville and St. Augustine. So we got a cease and desist letter from the owners Ooh. of Nocatee Town Development. And we we're like, well, we're just going to fight this. So we renamed our affiliate CrossFit Hard Knocks, and it was Hard Knocks N-O-X. So it was our little play. Nocatee was N-O-C-A-T-E-E, -E, and we wanted to have Hard Knocks have at least that little bit of play on Nocatee with the N-O. That's good. And, even that, and that had no connection for me with Knoxville it was just the goal of trying at least to find our little spin that's cool with Nocatee and Knox and the same facility is still standing I left that gym in 2014 and moved to Arizona and a couple of years after that gym uh, my business partner had sold that gym but the gym is still functioning still standing it's changed names again do you still have some of your members that you there are yes. that are still there. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, and actually, one of my individual athletes that I work with, she's there. So it's pretty cool. So when I design her workouts remotely, I know exactly what the gym still looks like in my head and and the cool. evolution that that gym has made too. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So you're in Arizona now, and so I was in Arizona, and that's kind of when the birth of my evolution of really diving down the rabbit hole of the science of programming, energy system development, 
that's when I dove into some of the just dance thick academic books of more fitness because you know I got my master's degree in exercise science but that was so different from what we know of of the actual application of fitness right on this type of level so exercise science and those kind of things and there's a, a a huge foundation and network of fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona, which where I was. And so that was just a great place to grow and learn and develop. And I was coaching out there and that's what really started the development. Cause we had a couple of regional athletes and I started writing design for, for those guys. Right. And then we ended up getting a team that qualified for regionals in 2015. So now, were you on that team? team? Yes, I was on that team. Oh, what was the name of the gym? It was urban Warfit. Okay. Urban Warfit. Okay. And so I was on that team, and we had a couple individuals that go re- to regionals. And so I just kind of honed my chops with writing workouts and writing designs. And, and I did so many mistakes when I look back now at what I did. In what sense? Of maybe too much volume here, not enough volume there. But it was the athletes I was working with were so resilient and so tough that they could manage and handle all that volume. So it was – it was great to see that and just see that I could learn on my own and grow that. Right. And so then I left Arizona, I think 2000 and uh, maybe 16. I don't know. The years run together so much now. Right. And then I moved back to Tennessee and then started coaching at K-Town, CrossFit K-Town in Knoxville. And then, of course, met you guys somewhere along the way due to my lovely girlfriend and spending some time coming up here back and forth. And then... Uh, when CrossFit K-Town closed, I looked at it as a sign to make the move and be up here permanently. It was awesome. it, it was definitely a sign for me to make that transition. How did you get matched up with Grant, the owner of uh, CrossFit K-Town? Well, because I've always my, – my goals and my pursuits as an athlete are to pursue the CrossFit Games. And I wanted to be at a facility that had a fantastic community – but also had big enough space or would allow me to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And Grant, of course, had the space, and I was able to do my own thing. So that was one of the biggest attractions to, to go to K-Town. And so at that time, I was just doing remote coaching and training at K-Town. And there was a, it was funny because I did a competition at the Garage Games uh, in Woodstock, uh, Woodstock, Georgia, and that was would have been in 2010, and there was a big group from K-Town there. So, of course, me being Knoxville Connection, I introduced myself to everybody. And being in the Southeast, you know, in the CrossFit community, we're so tight-knit, and, uh, you know, seven degrees of separation with what Will Smith, man, the CrossFit community, we're probably three right. degrees of separation. And I'd walked in the gym the first time to work out, and I, there was three or four familiar faces that I'd remembered from that Garage Games event. So there was already a connection right Once in there. Once again, yeah. just a sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, just a sign with that. And so – Now, you were head coach at CrossFit K-Town, correct? After – so I wasn't at first because his number one guy ended up, him and his wife, she was a traveling nurse, and she got a position. So there was some big hours to fill and some holes to fill, and Grant needed somebody. And I've – once again, I've been fortunate and blessed and lucky enough to have known the coaches and the development that I've had that got me to where I am today with those without those individuals. I would be nowhere near – 
the luck that I've had. So I was in the right place at the right time in Jacksonville, and that just kind of steamrolled a lot of the things. So anyways, so yes, I became head coach at K-Town, but I think it was just timing and just being in the right place at the right time that got me uh, a lot of the the laundry list of certifications and education that I have under my belt. Yep, definitely. Life's all about networks and in the CrossFit community. And I've also became, I became such a student of this where often I say on, uh, to a lot of the athletes that I work with individually and in person and coaching classes is turn yourself into a lab rat. And I would truly take that into to my own hands with whether it be working out or coaching and just really trying to dive into trying to understand why things were going on within within my body on a physiological level, on a cellular level, and all of those things just turning myself into a lab rat with that, whether it's exercise, whether it was nutrition, whether it was sleep, all those numerous things going on. Uh, and just that, I think, just got me diving in so much on the science side of things. And then on a personal level, I just love being a part of, of people's journey and their adventure and their pursuit of fitness. And that is truly a passion that I don't, I don't think everybody understands that coaches that we just have this innate feeling of people and the connection and how to connect with people and and that just motivates and drives us i mean that that's one of the reasons i love waking up every day is being involved in such a community of people being together and try to make themselves better every day and you can actually see that um i was hanging out with chris four months ago and I'm like, this Ben guy is too good to be true. <laughs> like, what's the catch? And he's like, I genuinely believe he's that yeah. passionate about, you know, CrossFit and yeah. community and just helping people improve. Let me tell you a little story about myself. So I was growing up, I was extremely insecure. Many of us are. But I was extremely insecure, you very are. shy. Yes. Really? Yeah, okay. very much. So I was very shy, very introverted. And I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm going to meet a new person every day. And so I started. And in the beginning, for the first week or so, it was. Now, what age are you? So this was uh, 20. Okay. Yes, this was the age of 20. And the first week, I would say it was pretty forced. And then all of a sudden, it became pretty natural where I would see somebody's shirt and I would have an extremely organic conversation about their shirt instead of saying well it's 10 p.m i haven't met anybody today hey how's it going yep instead of doing that then it came just very organic and over the course of of a year i think i only missed two or three days that i didn't meet a person and so also along the evolution of that i said okay you need to make this a little more challenging you have to remember at least 80 to 90 percent of the names of the people that you meet and so over the course of a year I maybe missed two or three days, and I'd say I remembered most of those names. And I didn't have to play these name games of, of, you know, Brad, whatever might rhyme with Brad, with that, your shirt, cool dad, whatever it might be. <laughs> I didn't have to play the name games like a lot of times people say mm-hmm. with the name games. It was just easy. So what was yeah. the return on investment? Uh, the growth and development of myself your as a personal- human being, yes. Yes, okay. 100%. And just this challenge, I'm the, I, I'm the kind of guy that just numbers and names and things like that. I just love to remember it. And there was times when I remember hiking in the Grand Canyon once. I would try to find ways to pass the time. So during that, I'd 
you know, maybe had a dollar bill and I'd take it out and try to remember, memorize the serial number. That's when I worked on my ABCs backwards. So hopefully I never have to apply that in real life. Right. But I did work on saying my ABCs backwards. I don't have it spot on right now. Z, Y, W, X, V, U, T, S, you know, but. Yeah, no, that's, that's. A- Oh, sorry, Siri. Hell, she said that was wrong. That voice. How could you not hear it? All right, so we were uh, worried about kids going viral, and now Siri. I know. We, for you listeners and people watching, it it was trending that my three year old was going to be right there in that seat next to (laughs) Ben. I was going to put headphones on him, but who knew what kind of content would come from him? It would have been great. I don't know. So with with that whole learning people's names, I have brought that into so much of my of my personality as a coach, and also knowing, and not only know utilizing that, but knowing personality traits that I dove into more of how we all learn differently. And try to use, utilize that every day in my coaching that some people need to, need to have visual cueing, some people need auditory, some people need tactile, kinesthetic, whatever it might be. And applying those principles of personality, I like to, uh, if I do any kind of developmental coaching with other coaches, I always say you want to try to be a coaching chameleon where you need to be able to blend your styles and your abilities to reach a greater mass and to be able to influence those peoples because we're all going to be driven by different things. And I think it's super valuable and super key to be able to learn those things about each and every individual person and, and how to find their motivation and how to reach that and make a change with that in their yeah because every athlete is responds different to different coaching yes some need to be encouraged some need drill sergeant type um some are just there because they want someone to care about them some people just need to be shown what to do and they can yeah for sure whereas for me i have tons of intrinsic motivation i don't need a lot of extrinsic factors i can I can barely have the light on in the gym and no music, and I just go to work and zone out. But so many people, we have this sensory need for extrinsic stimuluses, and you have to understand that about people and what gets them going. Yeah, I've literally seen you do burpees and thrusters in silence. Yeah. and It blew my mind. Yeah, it, 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 but, but that's knowing that individual's intrinsic motivation is completely different. Right, so... Uh, ben, last time we were sitting down with you, it was about a month ago, and we were deep diving into uh, one week of programming yes. uh, for the week coming up. Yeah. And uh, I don't necessarily want to do that this week, but I do know that uh, since then we've retested. Our athletes responded so well. Very well. Absolutely um, fantastic. It, it would have been unbelievable to see the metrics had – uh, you know, we're not sitting on that 30 to 40% login and posting yeah. uh, rate. But from what we did see, it was something else. Yes. So we've uh, wrapped up that retesting phase. And I wanted to give, um, I know you and Josh have been sitting down collaborating and getting the next batch of programming yes. out. Can you go ahead and I want to do an overview of those eight weeks and not necessarily like specific yeah. workouts. But yeah. Uh, what athletes can expect for you guys to be working on and your vision for this next set? So, yes, we won't go into a single specific on a single workout. We won't break that down. We won't have this Dave Castro release of any of those kind of things. But what we want people to understand is a lot of times we got out of this cycle of 
pretty high intensity and pushing some limits. And a lot of times when we push these boundaries of human capacity, like we saw everybody do, we're going to create some imbalances. And those imbalances could be uh, anterior to posterior. They could be unilateral. They could be in various different ways. And we want to reestablish this symmetrical balance within human beings. Can you just break down those terms for those people that maybe don't, you know, you and I take those for granted, yes. but um, when you say posterior to anterior, give, give an example of how someone could have an inefficiency from frontal to back pain. So when we look, and this is, I guess, where we will kind of break it down. When we look at the sport of fitness, whether it be high intensity exercise, whether it be CrossFit, whether it be Fit Club, whether it be Orange Theory, there's very little access to posterior chain movements, meaning the glutes, the hamstrings, the low back, the upper back. There's very little access other than pull-ups and you know, toe-to-bar to a, to a small extent, deadlifts, power cleans, snatches, those kind of things. And then we have way more pushing movements that we do, and that would be the anterior. That would be any of our variation of squats, wall balls, thrusters, push press, bench burpees, press. Yep. bench press, handstand push-ups. The movement, I guess, would teeter on the side of more pushing correct, or anterior movements. And so, of course, as our society and our culture, we're sitting down right now, and we spend a lot of our day sitting down at a desk, working, driving, whatever it might be. So, of course, that anterior chain is going to get shortened or tighter. Mm -hmm. And then the posterior chain, the glutes, the hamstrings, the back gets weaker or stretched out a little bit more. So that's where we need more development on that anyway. So we're kind of doubling up in life and in exercise. Right. So that, that makes sense why we'll see more uh, back injuries. Correct. Because of the imbalance between the yeah, two plates. Absolutely. And keep you and in in being able to connect with a lot of the people that you work <laughs> with because that's going to be primarily what you have to deal with. Yeah. Oftentimes we see, I mean, lower back injuries are very common yeah. from, from CrossFit. Yeah. One of them. And, and I'm a humongous analogy guy, and I even said this analogy to Michelle the other night. I always like to use the car or our, our vehicles as a fantastic analogy because it's something that we can all relate to very easily. Right. And if your left front tire gets worn down quite a bit and then you rotate your tires and you're like, all right, cool, I'm good. Well, guess what? Left front tire is getting worn down again. Well, it's not the tire's fault. It's the alignment. It's the alignment. Right. So therefore, when we're looking at this new cycle or new phase that we're going to go into, we want to focus on everybody's realignment. And so that's when we talk about anterior and posterior chain development. And then unilaterally, when we're doing high intense exercise, we're going to default or favor our stronger side, even if it's a bilateral movement, meaning two sides at the same time. And a lot of times we don't know it when we're, we're moving a barbell, which is one piece of right. uh, resistance. Yeah. But if we're stronger in our left leg, we're going to try to use our left leg stronger because we're and trying to go so fast. Which is why Castro brought the dumbbell work along yes. years ago. Which I think is just fantastic. And the dumbbells and the kettlebells are just great because you are forced into this unilateral development. Also with these things, too, you have something that we call anti-rotation. And where if we didn't have used our opposing side of our core, our body would just want to naturally rotate. So we have to stabilize from the opposite side. Give an exercise. 
one one arm dumbbell overhead walking okay. lunge, or even a snatch okay. too, even a one arm dumbbell snatch. Those kind of things because the contralateral would be the actual anatomical term. With that, you have to have contralateral stabilization while you have movement on this other side. So, anyways, what we'll see a lot more of here in the coming weeks will be more focus on trying to get the body back in balance. Now, there are some unsexy moves in there of bent over rows and maybe Turkish get-ups and and tempo work. And tempo work is one of the other most amazing things that we can do because it creates some control eccentrically, concentrically, isometrically. So that would be eccentric would be the lowering against gravity. The concentric would be pushing against gravity and the isometric would be holding in some various positions of tension plank for example yeah so plank is a perfect one because your muscles are working and fighting to not move and so there'll be a lot of those kind of things that we'll see and the other thing that a lot of these things do is it will lower the stress response that you get in high intense exercises and the stress response is another thing that kind of goes unlooked when people have this pursuit of overall health because in the stress response, we get stressed with kids. You know, if we would have had one right here, who knows what would have happened. So your stress response will be through the roof. Then you go do exercise. Stress response is going through the roof. Then you don't get a full eight hours of sleep. Guess what? Now we have tapped into our adaptation reserve, which is where we you know, lose weight from or gain strength from or any of those kind of things. So we're trying to still get good workouts, challenging workouts, but put them in a more controlled stress environment and look at better body control. And anytime we use tempo, we get a ton of core work too. And that's what most all of us want is some good so, core work. So uh, with intensity comes altered form, which in, uh, in theory can cause those aches and pains. And so my takeaway from what you're saying is we're going to see strength gains. We're going to see some core gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shouldn't uh, with us getting realigned, maybe some of the, the aches and pains we've had will dissipate. And what else? That's that's the hope because we talked about the alignment of your car. So if we get the body aligned, you know, the, the propensity to favor one side or another hopefully becomes minimized. Not saying that you should go home and brush your teeth with your opposite hand, but there's a lot of great things that happen in the brain when you do things like that. Ultimately, ultimately with this, you're really trying to, I guess, limit risk or less, lessen the risk of potential injury yes. in the gym by focusing on yeah. different pathways of, of how to exercise. Yeah, and we talked about just a moment ago about people – having different goals motivate them well whether you come to the gym because you love the community or you want to look better naked or you want to get stronger consistency is the key and if we find ourselves going through these cycles of healthy injured healthy injured then we're going to limit our long-term success and probably risk injury down the road i always tell anybody whether they walk into a crossfit gym whether i have an individual consultation with them or i'm coaching them I want to make sure that I set them up for success 10, 20 years down the road from now. I might never know them or be able to speak to them in 10 to 20 years from now, but I want to know that I did everything that I could in my power to set them out, set them up for success 10 to 20 years down the road from now. That's awesome. Good stuff. Um, Any vision or anything different we're doing with our metabolic conditioning segments for this eight week batch? Um, We might go back to, we, we've got a plan in place 
that will make sure that metabolic conditioning might fall on a different day every week. Because if you're somebody that comes to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we only back squat on Tuesday and Thursday, where you're going to miss this huge part of human development. So one, we do have something in place that will have rotation of traditional CrossFit workouts, AMRAPs for times, uh, those kind of things that they will cycle on different days of the week. So if you're a normal routine individual and you don't get one a Metcon this week, you might get one next week. Got you. We're going to also utilize the EMOM formats for various strength development, conditioning development. We'll even have some components where you might have a super high heart rate activity and then you have to either do a farmer's carry or hold a heavy barbell in a front rack to where you have to do some kind of core stabilization, breathing under fatigue because you just did some high heart rate activity. So those are some of the things. So you'll see a little more of a blend of conditioning and intervals and and various bases of training that will have this far-reaching development. I like it. And and another thing too, and and we might have talked about this very, very briefly last time, but Murph – which, of course, is, is the workout in the community kind of pulls together for one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, one-mile run. And that's a lot of volume for the average human being. And I think even our model moderate to elite-level fringe athletes, they still get pretty sore from that, right. where you might not be able to work out for a week after doing that. So one of the things that we want to do is we're going to slowly implement this slow drip of getting more pull-ups more push-ups more air squats in so that way when murph actually comes we're minimizing the the risk of being super super sore we're still going to be sore because the the physiology that when we're on oxygen deprivation and some of the physiological processes and doing eccentric contractions under those we're still going to be sore just based on physiological processes but our goal is to minimize that and maybe get some hand tolerance too a lot of people get hand tears even with even with grips on we're in the south so when you do murph it's hot it gets sweaty in the gym and it's hard to hold on to a pull-up bar so we want to mitigate some of those risks kind of got murph hanging over my head right now i know that man if i did it right now it wouldn't i wouldn't feel good so (laughs) Actually started got, doing some. You got 11, some, 12 weeks to get ready. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because it's honestly, it's that thing that's been back here. It's like, oh crap, it's, it's coming it's up. So you just got to show up to the gym and do the work. That's, yeah, that's it. right. That's <laughs> it. So yeah. So we want to do some. So between this uh, new cycle of rebuilding the body from the core out and slowly getting some slow drip. Murph preparation going in. So that's what the next, I'd say, 10 to 12 weeks or so look like, a blend of those two. Sounding awesome. Uh, to wrap up, next week's a big week for you. You've got your master's qualifiers. Yes. So for those people that don't know, next Thursday, Ben will have a batch of five workouts. Five workouts. Last uh, year it was five, and so we're going to probably see five. Released, and he'll be competing against 199 individuals to have an opportunity to go uh, to the CrossFit Games. Top. So. Top ten go. Top ten go to the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and where'd you finish? Finished one twenty somewhere. Okay. And next year's the big year. So next year's the the big season that really matters. So one of the things that my myself and my coach have discussed at great lengths is this is year the year to take some risks. Where a lot of times I'm a natural pacer. When I do workouts, I like to be just under the red line. 
but I can keep going and going and going. So, which sometimes might give you the best score, and sometimes you might miss a better score because you were too conservative. So this year we're going to take some risks, nice. which means we have to embrace the suck. We know it's going to hurt, and I know it's going to be a, a tough four or five days, but I want to learn a lot about my capacity and push those limits and take some risk because next year – when I age up into the next age class, that's the, the best likelihood or the best chance probability-wise to be able to earn the opportunity to make it to the CrossFit Games. So I want to take those risks now. Good deal. Yeah. I like it. How's your mindset going into next week? I feel I feel fresh. I feel healthy. And the way Any I nerves? look at it, what's that? Any nerves at no, all? No, no. Uh, I only get nerves when I... I'm about 10 minutes out from three, two, one, three, go. Two, okay. Yeah. And that's why I love competitions because when you actually do a competition, you, you can't get away from that. Whereas when I'm doing workouts by myself, a lot of my friends that I've either, either worked out with now or trained with over the past 10, 11 years, they know that I will keep delaying the inevitable, but it's, you can't hide from it. If you're going to do a workout and you're going to push yourself to your ultimate capacity, it's going to hurt. Right. And you just have to embrace it and just and just go in because the the likelihood of something really negative happening is slim. It's there. But every time after five minutes, 10 minutes after a workout, I might still be dizzy, but I'm fine. Right. Right. So mindset is good. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm feeling fresh. And we're going into a deload right now. So body will be amped and peaked to, to get after it. Well, if you need any competition next week, maybe Ryan and I can go against you and we partner and depending on the weight, we scale it. You do realize there's yeah. probably going to be some squats in these workouts. Ooh. I'm busy next Friday, <laughs> yeah. actually. I forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm down to record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a cash out for you uh, to wrap up the show. Uh, can you say the alphabet backwards? Go. I have not practiced it in a while. So uh, okay. All right. We'll let you out anyway. All right. Z- Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S. Uh, UTS, RQ, NMOP, uh, LK. Oh, I'm at a blank right there. You're doing a lot better than That's, most of us would. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you a, a passing score. So, okay. right. Ben, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, look forward to seeing what's next in store for everybody within gym programming. And I know it doesn't reach to the whole gym as a whole, it's only a, a third of what we have, but. It's still at least important to think about for even everybody that's doing a fit club is just to be aware of your movement patterns and, and how different tempos and unilateral work pays bigger dividends in the long run. So even though we're not speaking to them directly, yep. there's still some value for that group and that sub community to understand the value in some of the single single arm, single leg work. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, guys. See you.